I'm going to touch on a lot of, a few sections of the chapter anyway. Sorry, Jesse, some of this might be redundant for you. Me and Jesse are part of a Bible study, and I talked a little bit about this last Wednesday. So, uh, Matthew 18, uh, verses 1 through 4. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before them. And said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So, the disciples are asking a question about rank. Who's greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And this issue of who's the greatest and and where do I stand relative to my peers comes up a few times in the Gospels. And it's a, I think, a prideful question. Uh, that's my first impression on it. And I think it goes along with the lesson that Jesus gives them, a lesson on humility. That's his response. Let me teach you about humility. And if you really want to be great, then humility is going to get you there. And so he brings a child um, this child is probably going to be between the ages of two and four, uh, a small child. And um, it's so important that we get this lesson on humility that Jesus says that without it, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And so there's some aspect of a child that we really need to grasp and understand. And if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, the closer you get to those qualities and traits he wants you to see, um, the better. So this got me thinking about children. You know, there's, there's obviously some traits about children we don't necessarily want to emulate, but there are some good ones. And um, what I'm about to talk about are some things that I've seen in kids. I have three kids, and I think that's all I'm going to have. Yeah, three, I think that's it. Yeah, three, that's it. But um, if what I say doesn't sound like a child that you know, you know, you're like, hey, my kid's not like that. Well, Hopefully you can just take the principle away, you know. <laughs> so the first one is uh, a love and an excitement for their parent, right? Um, Marcelina is my sister's daughter, and she's within this age range that I'm talking about. And the other day I, I came home, I hadn't seen her in a few weeks or whatever, and I turned the corner and she just yells my name and she runs at me and gives me a big hug, you know, and and makes me feel amazing, you know, right? <laughs> and I think this is a, 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 the love that God wants from us for, for him, you know? Um, you don't want to be, when, when Jesus walks into the room, you're like, oh, hey, what's up? You know, you, you see him, you're excited about him, you're delighted to see him. Uh, in Deuteronomy 6, 5, the number one commandment, is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And that word love is to delight in and also to breathe after. So the reason why you are drawing breath is for Him. The reason why you woke up is for Him. Um, in fact, when Haven wakes up, the first thing she does is she crawls into bed and snuggles with Mama because she wants to wake up being with the one she loves. 
And so we wake up in the morning, we say, good morning, Lord. What do you have for me today? What do you want me to do today? I'm available to you because I'm here for you. I have a job that you've given me. Thank you for that. But I'm not here for my job. I'm here for you. Um, Haven will laugh at pretty much anything I say. I can say like the dumbest thing and she just like starts laughing hysterically. And it makes me feel like if I tried really hard enough, I might be able to be a stand-up comedian. <laughs> and then I look at Kaylee and she's like, no. <laughs> but she just has that much just for me, you know? And, and this is what God is saying. Um, how do you love God more? You know, we all love God here. How do you love him more? It was a question I was thinking about. And this, this last song that we sang um, helped answer that for me. And you think about all of the sin in your life, all of the, the darkness, and, and all the billions of the people in the world, you know, and everywhere we go, we're, we're just a number. But with him, we're not just a number. We are very important to him. And all of that sin has been removed. Thank God. All of that sin has been removed and has been replaced with righteousness. And it's a humbling thought for me. And so Jesus is saying, how do you love more? Be like this child and humble yourself and realize how unimportant you are, but at the same time, how important I think you are. If he treated us like we deserve, we would be forgotten. But in his grace, he showed us love. So we want to love him back. It doesn't take long for a kid to uh, come up to their parents and put their hands up. <laughs> Sometimes it's because their little legs are tired, um, but that's not always the case. Sometimes they just want to feel close. Sometimes they just want to feel secure. And so we go to Father as well. And Lord, pick me up. And he's right there to pick us up. Um, there is a difference between uh, love and loyalty. What I mean by that is you can, if I can draw your attention to the prodigal son story that Jesus shares, there's two brothers in the story. One goes off, he does his thing, bad things, he comes back, the father embraces him. Hopefully you guys know the story. But then there's another brother who stays home and he is jealous, he's angry about how we're having this feast and this party because of this brother of mine. He's, okay, he's back, great. I, I've been here the whole time and I don't have a feast. And so the father has to leave the party and go to this brother and, and explain to him, listen, everything that I have belongs to you. But your brother, he was dead, but now he's alive. So we have to celebrate this. But the brother didn't understand. He was loyal to the father. He was there. He, he, he was there at every church service. <laughs> but he didn't he wasn't close enough to the father to where his heart was becoming like the father's. And so this is why we need that love and we need that excitement for him. Not to just, oh, hey, how you doing, Jesus? But to be intimate with him, to draw close, to have a hunger for righteousness, for have a, to have a hunger for him. Amen? All right, so that's number one. Uh, love and an excitement for the father. The second one is that children very easily believe things, especially the two to four, even crazy things, you know. Um, I didn't grow up uh, believing in Santa Claus. That wasn't 
taught to me, um, and I didn't teach that to my kids. But there, there is a lot of people, a lot of kids that will grow up believing that, and it's easy to believe, oh, that's great, you know, Santa Claus. And then they get a little bit older, and then they start asking questions, and they're like, well, what about people without chimneys? <laughs> you know, and then like, okay, so they become a little less gullible, I'll even say, right? But let's for a second just assume that the gospel is true and assume that it's good and assume that it is the best depiction of reality and that if we were to follow and live by it, it's, it's going to lead to the best life here on earth and then after earth. If that's true, we want to be like children in the sense where we just believe it. If Jesus says it, we believe it easily. Um, there's a a story in John chapter 6 where Jesus is preaching and he starts talking about the bread of life. I'm going to give you bread and you'll never be hungry again. <clears throat> and actually, that bread is my flesh and you have to eat it. And I'm going to give you drink and it's my blood and you have to drink it. <clears throat> so there's hundreds and thousands of people listening to Jesus right now and they're all like, that's weird. <laughs> and then they leave. Jesus turns around and all that he has left are his, his close disciples. And he says, are you guys going to leave too? Well, this is what Peter says. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have already believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. <clears throat> I have no clue what you're talking about, Jesus. I don't know if I have to eat your flesh. I hope I don't. But I am convinced that you are God and I'm going to follow you. And I'm convinced that maybe I don't understand it right now, but I'm going to understand it later. That's what Jesus wants from us. And he's not trying to trick us and the gospel isn't something that can't stand up to questioning or doubt because it can. But he wants us to just be convinced. The Canaanite woman who was called a dog and ignored, she couldn't ignore the goodness that she knew was in God. And so she pushed. The centurion soldier who was a Gentile outsider, he knew there was nothing outside of God's authority. And so he believed in him for healing. And so we just need to be convinced, like those little children, easily believe. Jesus says, I'll never leave you and forsake you. Got it. You are with me always. Thank you for that. Um, Thomas doubted Jesus in a, in a moment of weakness. He was the only one of the disciples that didn't see Jesus after he was resurrected and he says I, I will not believe unless I can put my fingers where the nails were and you can see you can hear the, the pride a little bit I'm making uh, requirements on God I will only believe if this we don't have that ability here now in 2023 but there are people who you know I'm sure that will say if this happened I would believe in God if, but would they really believe in God if that happened? Because I'm sure you know people that the real issue that's blocking them to have belief in God is pride. And that's why Jesus is saying, be like this humble child. If you're not like this humble child, you're going to struggle real hard to get into the kingdom of heaven. In fact, it'll be impossible. And so what does Jesus do graciously? Jesus appears to Thomas and he says, Place your finger here and see my hands and take your hand and put it in my side and do not continue in disbelief, but be a believer. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord, my God. And Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, 
Have you now believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believed. Jesus did something for Thomas that he wouldn't do for the Pharisees. The Pharisees demanded for confirmation and assurance that Jesus was the Messiah. And once they got to that point, he refused to give it to them. But he showed grace to Thomas. And he said, here, here's your proof. Believe. Don't be unbelieving anymore. He gave Thomas patience, but he was disappointed in it. And so he says, blessed are you, all of you, who believe. You haven't seen him, but you yet believe. <clears throat> okay, so the third characteristic in children is that they're needy. They're very needy. Haven wakes up and she wants some toast and she can't reach the, the toaster. She can't slice the bread. She'll probably cut herself. Um, it's dangerous for children to take care of themselves, so they're needy. They have to go to the Father. You're needy too. And there are people who handle life and they try to handle life apart from God. Paul says to pray without ceasing. Troubles come up in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. Pro troubles come up to me every single day at work. And I'm constantly in meetings just under my breath praying, Lord, help me. Help me, Lord. I'm needy. I, I know that there are things within my power that I can do well. Help me to do them well. And Lord, I know there's things that I can't control. I can't reach that toaster. So please take care of that because I can't do it. And, um, and he's happy to do it. You know, children need constant um, nur nurturing, protection, provision. And we're, we're that way. And wise parents can, they can get a little frustrated maybe with the amount of work associated. But wise parents know that maybe the days are long, but the months and years are short. And so they'll look at this as a blessing, as a, as a time of connection with their children. And if we can do that, then certainly God can. <coughs> um, one of, as part of a child being needy, the worst fear I've ever seen in a child is when you're in a crowded place and they look up and they don't see mom or dad. That's the scariest thing for a kid is to be alone and to be away from father or mother. And we need that reaction. We need that reflex of when we look around in our life and we don't see Father. And how does that happen? It's through the willful sin that we accommodate, that we nurture in our life, and we start to build this wall uh, between us and God. And in this chapter of Matthew 18, Jesus talks about sin. And he says, that if your eye causes you to sin, to pluck it out, and if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. I don't see anybody here with one eye or one hand, because I think you all understand he's speaking a little figuratively, like the same way when he said, eat my flesh, as figuratively. But what he's talking about is if there's sin in your life, to attack it, to fight against it, to resist it hard. And if there is something that you like, maybe there's people that you're hanging out with, maybe there's a hobby, whatever it is that's causing this wall between you and God, be willing to give it up. 
be willing to cut it off. And it's difficult to do that when you're in that. It is. It's easy to talk about. It's difficult to do it. Um, in the garden, uh, God said, you can eat from any tree except for the one. And then Satan comes up to them and says, is it true you can't eat from any of the trees? And so Satan is constantly trying to make God's word restrictive and oppressive and seem unfair. But no, God didn't say we can eat from all the trees. There was just one tree. And, you know, for married people, when you marry, you're saying no to the entire world and yes to this one person. But that restriction, that limitation is beautiful. It's wonderful and so much better than quantity. And so we have to, with the love of a child and with the faith of a child, let that motivation push you to cut off that thing in your life and to believe when God says, this is best for you, it's good for you, that you just trust that. And I'm, I'm making this connection of where our sin separates us from God, builds this wall. And that analogy, I feel like, falls a little bit short of what really is happening. There is a wall that Satan uses to try to say, hey, your sin is separating you from God and you're alone and this is your fault. Um, and we do have a part to play in resisting sin. But I really think that we're not building a wall between us and God. What I think is actually happening is we're trying to build this wall, but God's right there on this side of the wall with us. And the reason why I believe that is also in Matthew 18. He talks about there's a shepherd with a hundred sheep. And one of the sheep goes astray and the shepherd goes after him. The shepherd is unwilling to move the herd and say, you know what, there's just one sheep, I'm just gonna, it's, it's not worth the headache. You know, he goes to go get them. And so when we go astray, we make a wrong turn, we start building this wall, it's, that's why you can repent, you can say, what am I doing here? You can reach your hand up and say, God forgive me, and boom, his hand's right there because he's right next to you. And it's encouraging for the 99 sheep as well because, you know, they, I just imagine them talking, you know, it was that sheep today, but it could have been me, you know, and if I take a wrong turn, it's comforting for me to know that help is on the way, that the shepherd is not so concerned about being as efficient as possible, <laughs> but he is a good shepherd. The, uh, the last thing that I wanted to bring up about kids is, which I'm especially thankful for, is that they seem to be very forgiving. <laughs> I have, I have uh, made mistakes as a parent and mistakes to the point to where I have gone to my children and asked for forgiveness for them. You know, I did this, it was unfair, I shouldn't have done that. I lost my temper here. While I was right to get mad, I shouldn't have got that mad. And I'm sorry, you know what? And they always, they always uh, forgive me and and they don't hold a grudge against me. They don't, they, I think that comes when you get older, you know? <laughs> it's a kid thing to be able to forgive so easily, but it's a beautiful thing. And it's something that we need to do our best to hang on to, to be a, a kid in that sense. Um, Jesus touches on this in Matthew 18. He talk, G, this is where Peter asks him, how many times should we forgive our brother? Seven times? And he says, no, seven times 70, which is 490 times. 
And then he gives a story about explaining how much God has forgiven you and how you should use that as motivation to forgive your brothers and to forgive your sisters. He's, he, in, the, in the illustration that Jesus gives, he's basically saying, I have forgiven a mountain, a lifetime of sin. And so when somebody comes and they do this one thing against you, consider it small compared to what I did for you. There's always going to be somebody in your life that's a little annoying, they're unreasonable sometimes, whatever it is. So long as it's within your power, be in good relationship with them. Forgive. Be gracious. Be kind. Just like a child. Amen? Amen. So if you'll stand, I just want to wrap this all up and I'll close in prayer. One of the other wonderful things about kids is they're like sponges and they, they like to learn. They love to learn. And um, we want to be like that. We, we, we're going to go astray. You know, we're, we're going to be like the sheep that, that gets lost. And uh, I've seen these funny videos about sheep. I'm sorry. Where they, they jump into a ditch and they're head first in the ditch. And they're stuck and their, their back legs are kicking out. And so uh, the shepherd comes and pulls them out. And then they panic and they run and they jump and they land in the same ditch just a little further up the street. So we want to be like children in the sense that we, we grow in our understanding. And we don't want to fall in that same sin over and over and over. God will be there for you. But out of respect and love for him, we want to grow and, and mature and spend time in his word and allow his word to mold us. So if you love the Messiah like a child, if you trust him like a child, if you need him like a child and you forgive your brothers like a child, then you can be great in the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are Father. And we thank you that you're not just the Father of all, but you are my Father. And that these are my brothers and sisters. And that, Father God, we were at one time slaves in the kingdom of darkness, but you have transferred us into the kingdom of light. And you say that you are the King of Kings because while we were slaves, you had now made us kings in your kingdom. Thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you that that's all that's left and that all of our sin has been removed. I saw, Father God, how that song was moving in this place and touching your body, Father God, because we are all thankful for how good you are to us. Lord, we are so needy. Help us to come to you and not to run away and try to handle things on our own, but help us to come to you. Thank you for being there with us. We build that wall, but you're right there next to us. You pursue that one sheep. And I've been that sheep before, Father, and you brought me back. And I'm thankful forever for that, Lord. Lord, I pray for the body today that you provide us, provide for us protection, blessing, safety as we go out throughout this week. Fill us with boldness to preach your word as we should. In your name we pray. Amen.